At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. 50, we're going to Pop stars with auto-tune. And dentists with asking questions. So, how did he propose? After they've put their hands in your mouth. Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Venti soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry. Which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs. Blog Talk Radio. Forever Blue Shirts Radio. And welcome to Forever Blue Shirts Radio. I'm Russell Hartman, as always, and joining me very shortly will be my co-host, Mr. John Luke Shapiro. This week we have a very special show planned, and we're going to have a very, very special guest in the Hockey News' senior writer, Ken Campbell. Ken is one of the most... um, Sorry, excuse me. Ken is one of the most prominent hockey writers in the world. He is very knowledgeable about the game. He is one of the nicest guys I've interacted with in in the hockey media and on hockey Twitter. And uh, you can read his column in the Hockey News online. He he writes some great stuff for the Hockey News in their magazine. And uh, Ken is also, he's just a very good guy. Uh, His feature on the Humboldt Broncos was very touching and i recommend everyone pick up an issue uh go online read some of ken's stuff and let me welcome in my co-host formally from new jersey he is john <laughs> luke Shapiro. what's up buddy how are you hey russ what's happening how long did it take <laughs> for you to come up with that one uh not too long but i wanted to give you a proper intro <laughs> okay, well, thank you. It's good to be here again. Finally good to be back on the podcast. I'm very happy and very pleased to finally spew my views on this team, and I'm happy to be here. So thank you, Russ. Yeah, always a pleasure. Always happy to have you on the show, man. So before we get into all the hockey news, we're going to cover a lot of ground today. How, how have you been, man? How's everything? Oh, everything's been fantastic. I'm having a wonderful summer. Um, I'm really aching for Rangers hockey, of course. I mean, my baseball team isn't exactly doing it for me right now. So oh, I'm I right there with you. Yeah, I've just been down <laughs> Ranger Alley for the last couple of months. I'm already thinking about what tickets I'm going to buy because they had the pre-sale, uh, the pre-sale code come out today for some of the tickets for next season. So I'm already thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm, when am I going to go and slobber in my seat looking at Filipino make fools of everyone? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so, which is a great segue to get right into this and uh you mentioned philip Heedle, and one of the topics i wanted to discuss today before ken joins us is does any rookie have a chance from our team at the calder trophy and i think if anyone has a shot of let's be real rasmus Dahlin 
it's he, he's gonna have a hard time not winning the Calder Trophy. But uh, no, if anyone from our team could win the Calder Trophy, I think it could be Filipino. As much as I may want to agree with you, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. I love Heedle, don't oh, get me yeah. wrong. I do. I, I I was I was I was I was at the uh, I was at the game uh, the last home game last season, and he really did surprise me. I was at the home opener, and I was also at the final game of the home of the home season last year. And the one thing I noticed about Heedle, which I will you know add to your point, is that he was a little more boisterous the second time around, and he seemed a little more responsible in his own end, and it seemed like he was more aggressive with the puck at the beginning of the season. He seemed kind of tentative out of place and all that. But that being said, I also got a chance to see Leas Anderson. And I think that he might be a strong candidate if, you know, if Darlene doesn't take it, I think Anderson does because there's something about him when he was playing in the uh, world juniors for Sweden and just watching him, you know, on highlight reels and this and that and the fourth and seeing his attitude and his demeanor, I feel like the Rangers really hit gold with this pick, and I really think that he is going to surprise a lot more people, and I think he's going to put up better numbers than most people expect. So I think he's my guy if he, if someone on the Rangers is ready for a Calder. I think it's Anderson. Anderson is looking like he is going to be one of the most tenacious guys on the puck on this team. Mm-hmm. Looks like he never backs down. The guy is just firing him. We all remember when he threw the silver medal into the crowd at the World Juniors. Uh, I love the kid. I just think that um, there's going to be some unfair comparisons possibly to Bu- Casey Middlestad of the Buffalo Sabres and for a little while with a lot of these fans since the Rangers passed on him. And I think they're two different players. They're two different kinds of players. Um, mm-hmm. As Middlestad relies a lot more on his skill, uh, which admittedly he is a very highly skilled player. Some of the stuff he's doing at the Bowie League this summer is really, really awesome to watch. But Leah Sanderson, remember, he's been playing against men almost you know, his whole for the past three, three, four years, I believe, he's been playing against men. Yeah. Um, he yeah. had a great World Juniors last year. He He's already been a leader at that level. So, I, I mean, I can agree with you in that aspect. He, is a, he, he could put together a really nice performance. Right now, I have him personally penciled in as the third-line center uh, to start the year out. But he could also I've, – I've seen people put him on the second line and have Heedle as a winger. So, I'm sure we'll see what happens. David Quinn has a lot of – uh, rearranging, he's probably going to do with the lines at first, see who meshes with who. Uh, another guy, mm-hmm. I think, to point out for the Calder, uh, those are the two big ones, but a sneaky kind of dark horse guy you could put in for the Calder, and this is if he even makes the team at first. It's it's going to be a stretch, but uh, I'm really high on Libor Hayek. Now, oh, I knew you were really... going to say that. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> he's really, really dark horse. Well, great minds think alike, so it's fantastic. But um, Absolutely. You know, if he makes the team, uh, Ken, who will be on the show shortly, uh, said previously that uh, Libor Hayek was the best defenseman at World Juniors last year, not named Rasmus Dahlin. That is extremely high praise for uh, wow. someone who was playing in a World Junior with all of that kind of talent. Um, what, so, Jay, what, what do you think? Do you think Libor Hayek, do you think that's too much pressure to put on a kid right now? Or do you think that he, if he joins the squad, do you think he'll have a solid season? You know, the one one of the things that I noticed the Rangers are doing in terms of, uh, before I make my point, it's just to add to what I'm saying here. One of the things I noticed the Rangers are doing now that they didn't do a couple of years ago with different regimes is that they're getting players who have natural talent, and that in itself can carry 
a player for a couple of months while he learns how to get acclimated to the system, for the most part. It's a little harder for defensemen to develop. But I think, personally, from what I've seen from Hayek in the tournament and just from watching his uh, his highlight reels on YouTube... Now, I'm not a scout by any means whatsoever. I am not a professional scout. I am just a regular Ranger fan who has way too much time on his hands. So that's what I'm able to do is just watch. And the one thing I notice is he seems like he's very sturdy, not only in his own end, but he kind of has some flash of offense. And I really think with the defensive style system that Quinn is going to impose, it's defensive, but it's upbeat. I think he will absolutely thrive. The only thing that he would need to do is just become a little more mature, but that's for every young defenseman. But I really think something in me tells me that Libor Hayek is going to be on this team and he's going to make an impact right off the bat. Personally, I think he has that attitude. Uh, you know, you're going to endear to all the fans when you come out and say, I want to make this team next fall. You automatically yeah. endeared not only to me, but oh, to yeah. any other Ranger fan. Considering the defensive mess this team was at the, at the for the most part of last season, you got a young guy who has skill, who can skate, who's good in his own zone, and is saying, "I want to play. I'm going to try my best to be on this team, and I'm going to make this team." Oh my goodness! I just want to go and give him a hug right now. Oh my goodness! So yeah, you know, you love to see that confidence from a young player who they, you know, even at development camp, he's like, "Oh, I'm making the team this year." Like no, like no doubt in the kid's mind, like. I, I personally, I, when I did my, um, I did a roster prediction about a week ago on Twitter, I said that I thought Libor Hayek should be penciled into the second line with Neil Pionk. Obviously, we don't know. But for someone who seems to be as highly touted as him, and for those who followed, Libor Hayek was the piece that the Rangers wanted from Steve Eiserman in the Ryan McDonough trade. And if he wasn't being included, they weren't going to pull the trigger. So for someone like that, and who people are comparing his skating to McDonough and all these kinds of comparisons... Uh, I think a kid like that, you step, put him right into the second line, give him some solid minutes, and let's see what he could do at the NHL level. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I think uh, the way that the the Rangers organization is going in terms of trying to get skilled defensemen, because if you look at the Tortorella days, and obviously I have to harken back to that, and even some of the early Vigneault days, uh, a lot of the defensemen the Rangers had, they were pretty much stay-at-home guys. You know, you had uh, the only one that I could possibly think uh, that were really offensive defensemen were, you know, and please someone co- correct me if I'm wrong. I'm having a giant brain cramp right now. But uh, the only ones that could really pop out of my head as offensive defensemen from the Rangers would be, I want to say, outside of McDonough, even him, he was not so offensive. Maybe uh, John Moore or Michael Delzato. So it would be nice to not only have defensemen who are sturdy in their own zone but can provide a little more offense and to, you know, ease up on Kevin Shattenkirk a little bit. And I noticed with a lot of the defensemen that the Rangers have been picking up lately, they have a lot of offensive skill and I think that's very important in the NHL nowadays because they're going away from the big old school stay-at-home defensive which if they're mobile they're not a not a terrible asset but with the the way the game is changing nowadays I really think that you definitely need guys on the back end who can not only skate but can also uh, provide a little more offense and could be sturdy in their own zone as well I mean you know I'm going to mention a guy who I personally want but I don't think he's going to come here look at Eric Carlson Look at the way he's he's been able to pretty much be the Ottawa Senators. I'm not saying that he's you know, you know I'm not saying that you know he's the only guy that's helped them out. But if you look at Eric Carlson, you're looking at the Ottawa Senators there. He was the anchor. So if you have a couple of guys who are able to 
I'm not going to say they're like Eric Carlson, but if they can anchor and do a little more skate-wise, offensive-wise, it, it just helps the cause. So I think the Rangers are on pretty good track for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, this team has gotten so young, so, like, they've added a, a dose of speed into this lineup. And I really applaud GM Jeff Gordon for looking at this team and seeing that, uh, you know, we, we took a bunch of good shots at it. Uh, we got really close, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not it's not happening. And he realized that. And, you know, uh, like like we said, we have three guys who – Two guys who have a good shot and one guy who's a dark horse for the Calder Trophy. But in the coming years, mm-hmm. let's, let's, you know, we're going to have guys like Vitaly Kravtsov join the lineup, Keandre Miller, uh, Nils Lundqvist, Brett Howden, uh, Billy Meskin, and Michael Lindquist. Guys like this who, you know, they could have every shot at winning a, a rookie mm-hmm. award, other awards. Guys who people are very high on. Let's, let's not forget the Rangers prospect. Uh, Hubbard was uh, not not too good just a year ago. Uh, and oh, then no. immediately within this season, uh, you know, you make the trades with Tampa. You get Howden, you get Hayek, you make the trade with Boston. Uh, you get uh, Ryan Lindgren, you make the trade with New Jersey. You get Igor e- Rykov at the draft. You keep all three first-round picks, and you pick uh, this guy who's looking like he could be the next Russian superstar in Vitaly Kravtsov. You get a six mm-hmm. foot five monster on the defensive end in Keandre Miller, and you get a speedy little defenseman who can really push the puck up the ice in Nils Lundqvist. So already over the course of this past year, the Rangers have they've they've turned their prospect system all just right around. No, absolutely, you are absolutely correct on that. And I think I wrote out a list to someone. I was arguing with a fan of another team. I won't mention it because you know their team is too embarrassing to mention here. <laughs> Liars! I'm sorry. I just <laughs> I'm off for a second. And I was just talking, we were talking about defensive and offensive prospects, and this guy wanted to flaunt the Flyers' prospects. You know, and okay, they have a, you know, decent prospect pool. I'm not going to totally hate on them. But I looked at what the, actually writing it out on a piece of paper or writing it out in front of me on like a document and seeing how, what the Rangers gave up and then what they got back. Not only are you set for depth, uh, not only are you set for pretty much a lot of success coming from these types of players, you know, it could be hit or miss with each. We don't know. But um, another thing that this can be advantageous for the Rangers could be is that uh, they could potentially, if they need to, they could use some of those guys as trade chips for someone who can bolster the team to a different level. You know, Mm -hmm. now I'm not all for just giving away prospects for anything, but let's just say, you know, Let's just say the Rangers want to get a guy like Artemi Panarin or maybe even an Eric Carlson, for goodness sake. Let just It's only an example. I'm just speaking hypothetically. I don't want anyone listening to this to freak out just yet. I want Carlson personally, but I don't think it's going to happen. But let's just say that they were able to – uh, they were able to try and look for an up-and-talent piece. And, and, you know, we've had this discussion on this podcast before. Let's say they're looking for some kind of offense. And, yeah, they do have a lot of good guys who are offensively talented, but the Rangers are looking for a guy who can shoot the puck, and they want to get it. And, you know, let's say they bring Kratz off here, so you have one guy who has elite talent on one line, and then they want to trade for another guy who has elite talent for another line. So you don't have to throw it all on, on Kratzoff. So let's say they want to go and trade for Artemi Panarin. You're not, are you going to tell me that the Rangers don't right now don't have enough pieces to try and get him and then maybe potentially sign him to an extension? That's the position oh, that could. the Rangers they are definitely could. right now. 
So if you're telling me, and I, I don't want them to trade a lot of these guys because in an ideal world, all, all these guys will pan out and they'll be just like the um, – just like the Tampa Bay Lightning and everybody's homemade. Uh, that sounds stupid to say, but it's true. But, you know, if you can ship off some assets, you'll still be protected in a sense because you'll have a lot of young guys with you. So not only are you getting a Panarin, who I still want on this team, and is a bona fide offensive player, but you still have players that you can plug and fill in, and then you could just continue to draft well. So oh, the Rangers yeah. are in a very good spot right now, and and another thing too is uh, just two more things because I'm, I'm my my you've got my mind flowing now. Go ahead, go right ahead. It's good that the Rangers haven't jumped on the gun on a lot of moves this off season. Off the bat, I was a little upset because I wanted, you know, crazy enough, I wanted a Komarov, not at the money he's making now, or uh, even a Ryan Reeves just to kind of get some grit. But then I realized with the contracts that they got from. Uh, was it Vegas and, and the Islanders, you know, Vegas for Reeves and, and, and Comrade for the Islanders. I'm saying the Rangers would be crazy to give that kind of money. And the same thing with Ilya Kovalchuk. I love Kovalchuk. Anyone who's known me for a very long time knows that I am bonkers for Ilya Kovalchuk. I loved him when he was a thrasher, hated when he became a devil. And my eyes, I wrote an article on the website for Forever Blue Shirts about it, pretty much gushing over the guy. And I saw the money that he got for L.A. and my reaction was, no, I'm good. So I'm very pleased that the rain, the rain, yeah, the rain, yeah, trust me, he's good, oh, but yeah. he's not, he's about six mil, he's not six mil good, I'm sorry, I, I like the guy, but he's not that, you know, he's not worth that money, so I'm very happy that the Rangers haven't jumped the gun like they had in previous seasons. My second thought, real quick, is you mentioned Michael Lindquist, now, if there's one, if there's another thing that can endear to me in terms of looking for a player is a right-handed shot. That's just, I guess maybe this is why I like Miggy Zibanejad so much. But um, I think who did he play for? I forgot who did HV71, uh, Michael Lindquist. But anyways, in in the Swedish league, I'm watching this guy play, and this guy's a pure shooter, a pure shooter. And the highlight package that they have for him on YouTube, or at least the one that I saw, the guy just goes for it. And honestly, if he gets developed properly, I think he can be a Jesper Foss type player, but with a better shot and more offensive skill. I think he is one of those dark horse uh, prospects that could actually pan out very well. The Rangers have always done very well with those prospects uh, from Sweden. You know, you look at Matt Zuccarello, you look at Jesper Foss, you could even, you know, I I see I'm drawing a blank because there's so many that are popping in my head right now. And I'm looking at where he played. He played for Fariestad, BK in the SHL, and then he played for IAK previously beforehand. So that's all those highlights came in. And, you know, I really think he's going uh, to be someone that he might end up being on the team next season. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, Michael Lindquist and Billy Meskinen, I think both of them mm-hmm. have every opportunity to make this team. If you look at the highlight mm-hmm. packages from both and you look at what they're doing against, let's remember, they might not have 40, 50 goals, but they're they're putting up 20, 24 goals in a, in a league against men, and they're very young. Um, that's not to be understated. Same thing with Vitaly Kravtsov's numbers. Uh, look, you know, you got to give kids like this a chance. They're, I think Meskinen's 22. I believe Linquist might be 23. Mm-hmm. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but give them every shot. Like, have training. Make this training can be a battle. Make it be, you know, have guys earn their spots. This is what you do in a rebuild. Show, look at what you got. And, you know, uh, everyone's going to be talking about uh, the first few months of how David Quinn's regime is going to go. 
Well, I think that we need to temper expectations just a little bit. Uh, I think everyone needs to realize that learning a new system takes a while and mm-hmm. it's going to take a while to implement on the ice. So the Rangers might start out pretty slow, but you have to give it a little while to see the talent that this team has because remember when Elaine Vigneault first got here, the team was terrible the first few weeks oh, of the season. Oh, man. That uh, was, that yeah, was it was not good. Uh, but no. eventually it caught on and, you know, they made the final. And I'm, I'm not saying any way they're going to make the final this year. But point is that you have to give the players time to adapt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, with, with that being said, uh, David Quinn recently put together uh, the rest of his coaching staff uh, with Greg Brown from Boston College and David Oliver from the Colorado Avalanche organization. Lindy Ruff will also be the one holdover from Elaine Vigneault's staff. Uh, Benoit Lair is still here. He's not going anywhere. He's the goalie whisperer. We oh, love that guy. We love you, Benoit. Love um, let that man. Yeah, let that man do whatever he wants with whatever goaltender that mm-hmm. we give him. So, But, uh, you know, uh, Really, really young coaching staff. Uh, not a lot of NHL experience, but lots of new ideas. What do you think about these hires? You know, I think after a certain point, I think uh, in terms of the direction that it seems like they're going, I personally, I think NHL experience is a little overrated because if you really, the only thing, honestly, the only really thing that can fact to me at least this is just me the only thing that i can honestly say nhl experience factors in is more of just kind of just the day-to-day things but if you're looking at basic um x's and o's and just numbers i think considering that i think greg if i'm correct greg brown was with quinn at uh b at bu am i correct right am i no greg, greg brown was at bc he was he was rival BC. team i'm sorry yeah BC, okay. But anyways, besides that, they're familiar with how the game works, and I apologize for that misstep. I tend to get BU and BC mixed up, so <laughs> that's my apologies. Um, but, you know, and then you got um, and the other guy from the Colorado Avalanche organization. You know, it, you know it, it's not I, – I honestly think that it's overrated. You know, if they're, they're, they're a defensive system, X's and O's, all the kids have to do is learn it, and then just get used to the game, which we have people who are ready for that on the team so far. It's not like the Rangers don't have veterans on this team. I mean, you could even have, you know, it's a terrible thing to, you know, think about, but uh, you could even use Matt Bolesky if he's still around, you know, have him be lower tier, have help him deal with the kids, you know, the coaching staff does their thing. And then you have Lindy Ruff here too. So Lindy Ruff can, you know, give his insight on things and how the way things go. So I really think since these are all the, the new guys that they hired, they're of a similar ilk, in a sense. I really think it, it it's not so bad, honestly. I think the Rangers take care of their people, and I really think that the Rangers know exactly what they're looking for, what they want, and they get people who know exactly what they're doing, at least for the last couple of years from what I've seen. You know, So I, I, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. I think they'll, they'll be perfectly fine. I mean, like you said, it'll take some time to get – everyone adjusted because everyone is still used to the uh, Vigneault system, but seeing as how this is a very defensive first system and there's a lot of top-end skill, it may take a little longer because of their youth, but I think the Rangers will have a couple of decent spurts next season to where everything is just going to roll. I don't think this team is going to be as bad as people think they are. That's the really optimistic view, but um, 
I don't think they're going to be top 10, which everyone wants them to be, but I don't think they'll be top 10 uh, draft pick next season. That's my, that's my thing. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think they'll be as bad as a lot of people are saying. I think that they will ultimately put together a solid campaign. I don't see playoffs, uh, but I put, I, I foresee a team that's going to be competitive. They're not going to have, let the opponent have any easy nights. Uh, you're going to have a lot of young guys, you know, who want to prove themselves and show that they can be part mm-hmm. of this organization going forward. That's what a rebuild is for. You see who deserves to stay Absolutely. and who needs to exit the organization. And one mm-hmm. thing I'm, uh, that, I, that I feel that a lot of people, I need to point out a lot of people need to hear about is the 2019 UFA class. Now, mm-hmm. what is that? Mm-hmm. Who, who are the top three in that class right now? Well, right now the top three in the 2019 UFA class are Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars, Eric Carlson of the Ottawa Senators, and Artemi Panarin of the Columbus Blue Jackets. If those three do not sign contract extensions prior to July 1, they, the three of them will enter unrestricted free agency on July 1st of 2019. And the, oh, how do you say feeding frenzy will be absolutely <laughs> ridiculous on July 1. Now, That's out cool. of those three, and JL, you can feel free to uh, disagree with me here, but if I'm the New York Rangers and Tyler Sagan makes it to UFA. Oh, I'm, if I'm Jeff Gordon, I'm on that phone oh, and I call please. him and I give him a blank oh. check, but hold that thought jail because it's time for me to welcome our guests to the show. Wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome one of my personal favorite hockey writers and one of the best guys in hockey media today, Mr. Ken Campbell of the hockey news to the show. Ken, thank you so much for coming on. Wow, thanks for having me. Wow, what a what a what a prelude. Holy cow. Hope I can live up to it. <laughs> oh, you definitely will. You definitely will. So Ken, um once again, thanks so much for coming on. With me today is John yeah, Luke. No trouble, guys. So first thing I want to ask you, Ken, is uh Yep. On the Hockey News podcast last week, you mentioned that you don't think it would be good if the Rangers were a surprise team like the Devils. You said that that might not be good for the team. Can you expand on that a little bit for our listeners? Well, I just think that, you know, I, I just think that there's, you know, there's uh, a definite sort of um, path that the Rangers seem to be taking, and it's geared toward the future, as it should be. Um, and, I, I, you know, I mean, I think they do have the potential to be a bit of a surprise team. Uh, I mean, we did our picks, and we don't have them making the playoffs in, in 2018-19. But that doesn't mean that they won't surprise some people. I think, you know, I think with a new coach that's going to bring in a new system that's going to be based on, you know, a lot of puck pressure and speed and that sort of thing. You never know. The Rangers might surprise some people. But I'm not sure that that would be the greatest thing because then, you know, you sort of lose focus on the rebuilding process then. And maybe you, you, you think you're something you're not. You know, maybe you start making deals to acquire players you know, for now that might help you that, uh, that, that might hurt uh, sort of some future growth. So, you know, I mean, there's no, um, you know, there's no shortcuts to a rebuild. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, the Rangers are in a position right now where, um, you know, their, their GM has set them up quite nicely for the future. He's made some deals. He's got, they've got some good prospects in the pipeline and uh, I just think it's a matter of, you know, taking your lumps for a couple of years and then coming out of it at the other end with, uh, you know, some, some really solid prospects and players and high picks and assets and cap space and all those things that you need, you know, to build a uh, contending team. 
Great. And I mean, you know, it's, it's different in New York when the past, you know, almost since we've had Henrik Lundqvist here, how every year it seems that guy, he doesn't want to give up. He doesn't want to give in. He always wants to go for it. And, you know, his mentality is something that a lot of Ranger fans have been thinking about the way, if he wants to stay, if he wants to go. And he said he wants to stay. So my next question mm-hmm. to you is, is, do you think Henrik Lundqvist, as this goes on, do you think he will stay true to his word? Do you think it might get to him that it's not going to happen for a few years? Um, it might, but, and, and I certainly don't want to categorize players that way, but if you look, there's a precedent, a precedent that's kind of set with, with guys from Sweden and, and <laughs> there I go generalizing, but, but I mean, <laughs> it has been said, I mean, I mean, Matt Sundin was here in Toronto when, uh, you know, the Leafs were going through a rebuild and he had every opportunity to leave. They wanted to trade him. They wanted to move him for some assets at the deadline. Uh, a couple of the, at least one of those years, and he said, "No, I'm I'm not going. I have a no trade, no movement clause, and I'm not going to use it." You know, you look at the uh, the Sedin twins in Vancouver who just retired this year, um, kind of in the same boat. You know, probably had a chance to move on. Um, you know, at the deadline last year, maybe the year before, um, certainly last year, and uh, you know, they were like, "No, I'm 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 pretty content where I am." And I want to stay here and see this thing through and then sort of pass the torch on to other guys. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that Henrik Lundqvist would be the same way, um, but he seems to have the same sort of, uh, you know, Swedish type temperament. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he is willing to hang in for the three years and, and go through the rebuild and then, and then, you know, move on to post career. Um, but three years is a long time. And, but three years is a long time too. And in, in, in as much as, um, you know, maybe in, in two or three years in the last year of that deal, maybe the, maybe the, um, you know, the Rangers are, uh, you know, are starting to become, uh, you know, a bit more of a contender. Um, I wouldn't suspect it would be with Henrik Lundqvist as their number one goalie, but um, you know, I mean, he's 36 years old. He'll be, is he 37 by the time the season starts? I, I'm not sure. Uh, if he is or not, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, he's, he's getting up there. So I, I would suspect that um, he'll stick it out and he'll retire as a, as a New York Ranger. And, um, you know, because as this deal moves along, um, it's going to be probably a little more tougher to move him because um, you would think that an aging, you know, goalie um, would be difficult to move. So he, he may, he may stick around just for that reason. Hey Ken, uh, John Luke here. First of all, I just want to say uh, thanks for coming on. Really, we we really appreciate it here. Uh, I enjoy reading a lot of your content on the hockey news, and uh, I just want to say, don't be offended. I just followed you right now, but I've always been keeping up with your stuff <laughs> for, for quite some time now. But you mentioned Henrik Lundqvist, and you mentioned uh, him getting up in age, and uh, is, obviously they're they're going through a very tenacious rebuild, and you know. They said that it wasn't going to take a long time, a la what the Buffalo Sabres are doing. Honestly, I don't really know exactly what Buffalo was doing. But anyway, so um, they said that they wanted to keep it like a rebuild on the fly, a retool on the fly. And knowing Henrik Lundqvist is a very tenacious guy, as you said, do you think that uh, 
with a lot of the talent that they're getting from the draft, uh, do you really think that, you know, I had mentioned it before you came on that they had a lot of people or a lot of players that they can use to move for a, a big piece. So do you think knowing Henrik being that kind of guy, that competitive guy, and the organization wanting to get somewhere with this rebuild, do you think their rebuild gets a little bit more in the terms of getting accelerated further or faster, or do you really think they stay par for the course and just keep going slow and steady wins the race? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, okay, so they say that it's not going to be, um, you know, a Buffalo Sabres type rebuild or a uh, you know, an Arizona Coyotes type rebuild. And, you know, I, I, I'll take them at face value on that. I, of course it's not going to be that, or they don't want it to be that, but nobody sets out to, to, um, have a rebuild that that's that's that uh, that that that's that likely, right? Um, mm-hmm. It sort of just happens in a lot of ways. Um, but you know, I I really don't think that the, the the Rangers have to worry about this being an extended, you know, kind of rebuild. Um, they've got some very very good prospects in their system, starting with Leas Anderson, um, the center who will probably be their third line center next year. Um, will come in as a rookie. Um, you know, very competitive kid. If, if you uh, have fo- had followed the World Juniors last year, you, you'll know him mm-hmm. as the guy that uh, took the silver medal and threw it into the stands uh, after after his team lost the gold medal game in the World Juniors in Buffalo. Um, you know, really competitive guy, uh, is ready to play in the NHL. You know, will probably be, you know, a kid that, that, that will be in, you know, could very well be in the Calder Trophy conversation this year. You know, they've got Philip Kittle, who, who will probably be one of his wingers on that line. And, you know, I mean, they've got Igor Shesterkin, who, too, as well, the goalie who, um, you know, is, is pretty much lights out in Russia right now and probably has a couple of years before he comes up to the NHL. But, you know, a guy that I'm sure they're certainly looking at as a guy who will, uh, you know, who will one day, you know, take over for the camp. And, you know, I mean, in, you know, and, and they, they've gotten, you know, some really good uh, guys in trades, Libor Hayek, the defenseman in Regina, who, um, you know, who's, who's, pro- who's ready to turn pro this year and, and probably will, you know, play a couple of years in the minors before coming up. So, I mean, they do have a pretty impressive list of young guys that should, you know, really be able to push for jobs in the next couple of years. And, um, you know, I mean, and then they've got, you know, they've got some, some good young players. I thought the you know, the, the Rick Nash trade, the return they got on the Rick Nash trade was spectacular. You know, Ryan Spooner, who's uh, an RFA, and uh, I'm not sure if he's going to arbitration or not, but I th- and I think he is. But, um, you know, Kevin Hayes, of course, the, you know, they're both relatively young, a couple of years, you know, at least a year before unrestricted free agency. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I think there's reason to believe that this is a, this is a team that can kind of rebuild on the fly, um, but it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be, uh, uh, you know, a, a quick a quick turnaround. It'll take a couple of years mm-hmm. to do it, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, I, I don't think at all. I think they should stay the course. And how you win in this league now is, you know, you need those superstar players to build on. You need the guys who are stars to step up, and hopefully they find or some of the guys they've drafted turn into guys like that in the coming years. So uh, switching gears a little bit here, Ken. Um, Obviously, biggest news uh, out of free agency was John Tavares signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, uh, the upcoming 2019 UFA class, me and John Luke were discussing this just before you came on, uh, could possibly feature Artemi Panarin, Tyler Sagan, and maybe Eric Carlson. We'll see what happens with that situation, of course. But right. I guess I kind of have a two-parter. 
do you see either the Dallas Stars, the Blue Jackets, um, being a little more wary with their two-star players and possibly really considering a trade if neither of them signs an extension because they don't want what happened to the Islanders happen to them? And do you think that if Panarin or Sagan happen to hit the free agent market next summer, do you think Jeff Gordon should take a look at one of them and try to accelerate the rebuild by signing one of those two? Well, um, I, I guess first, first of all, I think I think that, that the likelihood of Panarin getting traded is is much higher than it would be for Tyler Sagan. Um, you know, Panarin just looks like he, he seems to be planting the seeds that you know he really isn't interested in sticking around long term in Columbus. Um, you know, that's what the tea leaves seem to be saying, and and um, y- you know, I mean, it's 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 certainly looking like he's sort of greasing the skids to make his way out of there. Um, so I, I would think that Panera would be a pretty likely candidate to be dealt um, at some point. Well, I mean, he's giving, he's given the Columbus blue jackets until September 13th to, uh, you know, to negotiate with them. And then he says he's not going to negotiate after that. So I would suspect that uh, if that falls through and, and he can't come to a deal, that there's a pretty good chance that he would move Tyler Sagan. I'm not as, I, I'm not as sure that he would move. Uh, I would think that, uh, you know, that there's a chance that Jim Mill would make it work in Dallas and that he would uh, probably, you know, be able to hang on to to Tyler Sagan and, and Eric Carlson. I mean, that, that situation is so fluid that, uh, Really, I don't think there's anybody who can say with any degree of certainty what's going to happen there. You know, a lot of people have tried and, and a lot of people have been wrong in the last, uh, you know, month or so. And it was supposed to be a done deal and it was supposed to be a three-way, three-way deal, you know, possibly with the Rangers involved. And, and now, you know, it's pretty much crickets. We're not we're not hearing a whole lot of anything. So um, so that that one's so fluid. But I would say Panarin is a guy that, that would be a, a real – uh, candidate to be dealt. Um, I'm not sure that the Rangers, you know, in this time frame, you know, this early in the cycle would be, um, you know, would be prepared to take them unless they could, and obviously sign them for a long-term deal. Then, you know, then it does, it does kind of, uh, you know, push the rebuild a little bit. And, um, you know, you've got a guy who's one of the few wingers in the league, I think that can drive a line you know, most lines are driven by centermen, and there's probably a half dozen wingers in the league, and we're talking about two of them right now in, in uh, or sorry, or sorry, one of them in Panarin that can actually drive a line. You know, another guy that, that's like that is Mitch Marner here in Toronto. They're wingers, but they, you know, they are guys who really can can be the centerpiece of a line. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of teams that will be wanting Artemi Panarin. And I think Artemi Panarin will want to go, you know, will want to have some say over where he goes, uh, whether or not that's New York. I'm not sure. I know he said that he wants to be near water. Um, so yeah. take that for what it means. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are based along water, big water in the NHL. So, um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that could be any number of teams, but, uh, but um, you know, I mean, I'm sure Jeff Gorton if he saw an opportunity to be able to get an Artemi Panarin um, and, and not only get him, but be able to sign him to a long-term deal that would keep him there, uh, that he would look at that. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of teams that will be looking at that guy. Uh, you know, I would think 
Um, you know, there will be double figures in terms of the number of teams that would be interested in a guy like that. Um, and the good thing that the Rangers have is they've got, you know, they've got some cap space. They've got some, they've got some, some, uh, some young players and some prospects and some picks that they can, that they can put into play. Um, but the problem with, with that deal, I think for, from a, a Rangers perspective is that the, the blue jackets will be looking for, more than just futures, and I'm not sure that you know there's a lot that the that the Rangers would be willing to give up that that Columbus might might want. So that would that might be something that would be uh, a bit of a sticking point for for something like that. Right, and I mean it would take something astronomical. I feel like at this point to get uh, Artemi Panarin, let alone Tyler Sagan, um, but. The biggest acquisition, I think, for the New York Rangers this summer was not a player, but rather their new head coach and David Quinn, formerly of Boston University. Um, so we've seen this kind of thing with the NCAA coaches kind of picking up steam with Jim Montgomery now in Dallas, uh, Dave Haxel mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia, and now David Quinn coaching the New York Rangers. Um, Ken, how do you think David Quinn, obviously he's a much different coach than Elaine Vigneault, what do you expect from David Quinn's first year in New York in terms, not just in terms of results, but also in terms of, you know, how this guy will interact with the media and what have you heard about him through the grapevine? Well, any interactions I've ever had with him, uh, you know, have been very good. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think that'll be a problem at all. I don't think expectation will be, you know, sky high. Like he's not coming into a situation where he's expected to turn things around right away. And, and I think he's just he's just going to um, he's going to be a guy that uh, that that I think is is good for the Rangers because they've got a you know a lot of young players and he really wants to he really wants to push the pace he wants to you know play at a at a you know at a at a, at a high pace and and high up tempo sort of style that you know seems to be the way a lot of teams in the NHL that are, are having success are going right now. Um, and I think, you know, like I said, he wants to play a speed game. And I think that that fits in pretty good with the group that they have in, in, in New York and with some of the players that they have coming into New York, you know, they've gotten rid of, you know, a fair number of those guys that were, you know, guys that uh, were, let's say not fleet of foot, um, you know, the, the, you know, the Rick Nashes and the Ryan McDonough's and, and guys like that. And they've replaced them and brought, brought in a lot of younger guys that I think, you know, will be able to respond well to that kind of pace. And, um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, I think it's a good situation for him because he's not coming into a situation where he's expected to turn things around, you know, right away. Um, he can grow with this team. This team can grow with him. And, uh, you know, I mean, everything that I know about the guy is that he's, uh, he's a top-notch coach. I mean, that's a great program that he's been running um, and, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, the proof is in, in, in how many players that, that, uh, BU has produced over the years. And, uh, I mean, I think he's been there for five years. He's, he's got like a, you know, he's got a ridiculous record. It's like, a, a he's won over a hundred games and, and I think lost only about 68 or 70. Um, so he's, you know, he's done it there and he's worked with guys that have gone on to the NHL. He's, He's put together a good program, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's a great get for the Rangers. And Ken, one final question before we let you go: um, gut feeling right now. I know it's it's so up in the air, it's so fluid. 
Um, how long do you think this whole Eric Carlson thing will drag on? And what team do you, if you even have any guess, do you think he could end up on at the end of all of this? Well, it, it won't be the Rangers, okay? <laughs> if the Rangers are involved, if the Rangers are involved, it will be as one of these, you know, conduits for a three-way deal involving, you know, Ryan Callahan. We, you know, everybody's been talking about that, about Callahan coming back to New York and being part of a, a three-way deal with, uh, you know, with Tampa. Um, I, I think all I can say, guys, is I think anybody that says they know what's going to happen here and when it's going to happen. Uh, I, I would be very. I would take anyone who says that with an enormous grain of salt, uh, because I don't think anybody really knows um, where things are going with this. I mean, like I said, I think that you know the whole sort of mania around July first and everything. There was a lot of you know people talking about what was going to happen, where he was going to go, what was you know what the return was going to be. You know, apparently at one point they were just waiting for a trade call. And I talked to someone very, very close to Carlson's camp, and he said, don't believe anything you're reading right now. None of this stuff with Dallas is true. None of this stuff is, is, is really happening. I could see this. I could definitely see this dragging into, you know, the regular season and, and, and beyond that. Um, I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult deal to make. Um, you know, uh, Ottawa obviously wants to hit a home run with this one um, if they trade him, which it looks like they're going to. It looks like his time is up there. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where he doesn't show up for training camp and he gets suspended and doesn't play and then sits out, you know, for a very, very short time before being dealt, you know, maybe a month into the season. Um, as for potential teams the two that keep coming up number one is tampa and the other one is um is is vegas um you know i mean tampa would have to really you know uh do some salary related gymnastics to make that happen uh you know obviously you know moving along a ryan callahan would be a guy and then you know you, you would think that a tyler johnson wouldn't have room there either long term um, so that, that, that's, that's certainly, a you know, a, a, a factor for them to consider. And then, and then you've got, then you've got Vegas too, that, that kind of, uh, you know, has, has, uh, you know, really exceeded everybody's expectation. And I mean, he could have been playing for Vegas after the trade deadline. If, if, you know, if, if a lot of people are to be believed, um, it's, it's, it's believed that there was, you know, the, 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 the building blocks of the deal were very firmly in place. Um, and then, uh, and then at the last minute, things kind of fell through. So I would expect, uh, one of those two teams to be the final destination for him as to when that's going to happen or how it's going to look or how it's all going to play out. I don't think anybody really knows at this point. Yeah, it must be so fluid and I'm sure everyone will have their eyes and ears on it when it does happen. So Ken, thank you so much for joining us. I, I can't explain how much I really appreciate it. It's an, it was an honor to talk to you. I really love all your work. Uh, I love listening to you guys every week on the Hockey News Podcast. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Have a good thanks, night. Ken. Thank you so much. You too, guys. See ya. JL, I'm a little starstruck. I think Ken is such a great guy. and I, like, He's, he's no, awesome. I love that. I agree with you. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, and, and 
I had, I, you know, I too had been, you know, a, a follower of their podcast for some time. And, you know, I, I was looking on Twitter and I said, am I following him? And I'm sitting here in my office and I said, oh my gosh, I'm not. So I figured I'd make a nice <laughs> little uh, joke about it. I've been following them for, for quite some time now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, good to talk to him and, 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 and pick his brain a little bit. And then and he seems like a, just a genuinely nice guy. So it was very nice to have him on here. Fantastic, fantastic guy. Yeah. And if, if you guys, if you listeners out there uh, haven't been listening, please subscribe to the hockey news podcast. Uh, read the stuff that they put out there because Ken, along with Ryan Kennedy, Matt Larkin, Jared Clinton, uh, all the guys over there up in Toronto, they know what they're talking about. Their analysis of the game is second to none. Uh, I subscribe to them. I get physical copies of the magazine every month. Uh, totally worth the purchase. They're, they're some great guys. Always nice, uh, respectful on Twitter, nice interactions with them. Highly recommend. Uh, if you don't already follow those guys, please give them a follow. Give the Hockey News a follow. Um, moving on. So before Ken joined the show, uh, we were talking about Tyler Sagan and Artemi Panarin. We discussed it a little bit with Ken as well. But uh, out of the two, JL, for my me alone, I would throw the friggin' blank checkbook at Tyler Sagan if he hits. No, I won. I would. I would do exactly the same thing. I, I, I had mentioned something about following prospects when they began and keeping an eye on their career. I think I may, I may have mentioned that about McDonough and I probably mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago. And, you know, Tyler Sagan was one of those players because uh, they had the whole Tyler Taylor Hall, Tyler Sagan thing that was really big when both of those guys were draft eligible. And something about Sagan always stuck out to me because, uh, centers with skill always seem to stand out to me, at least. You know, nothing against Taylor Hall, but obviously Sagan's. I think Sagan's had the the far better career. Um, but yeah, no. If if it if I don't think Sagan will make it, I think he either gets traded or gets extended by Dallas. I I don't think Jim Nill's that much of an idiot to really let that type of player go into the market unless Sagan's camp really wants to make a, ca- a, a cash grab on a team looking to try and add a, a, a real talented center because just the thought of Tyler Sagan in a Ranger blue alone just titillates me. And oh, are you I kidding me? I would be down there at the NHL store that day getting my jersey fitted if that happened. And 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 you know you know you know I would do the same thing too, but you know Ken kind of put the, another player would do that too uh, would be for uh, Eric Carlson, but I guess Ken kind of put the the damp the damp wet blanket on that one. But um, no, I if if I personally don't think Sagan's gonna make it there. Would I like to have Sagan? Absolutely, because you know what? It it adds to the whole the Rangers haven't had a number one center in years. I mean, the only time I can honestly say that the Rangers had a real solid player that could be considered a number one would be Brad Richards, and even then that was kind of iffy. I love Brad Richards. I think he was a tremendous asset for this organization in the couple seasons that he was here for, but he wasn't the same that he was with Tampa and Dallas. No, you're but right. We got he was on the downturn of his time as the number one center. Yeah, absolutely. And he definitely pr- provided a lot. And you could tell his presence was missed when he left. But what the Rangers really need is the guy. And we've mentioned this on many podcasts before. Like I remember when before in our pre-draft podcast when we were having our uh, – um, Oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Delusions of grandeur about getting a guy like Zadina and Svechnikov. And, and, you know, it almost seems like that almost happened on draft day. But, yeah. um, no, the, you know, the Rangers, 
need the guy, and whether it's from Kratsov or whether it's Panarin or whether it's Sagan, they need that kind of guy. And if it means Tyler Sagan comes here with a blank check that fits the salary cap, I'm all for it. But I don't think Sagan's going to make it, though. I think Sagan will either get no, traded to the team and they yeah. do an extension, or he stays with Dallas. I don't think I like think I Tyler said, I Sagan short-sighted to yeah. not let him stay. No, I agree with you. I don't think Tyler Sagan will make it to July 1. If he does, I'm going to be throwing a party at my house. But um, I don't think he will. I think either Dallas will lock him up or some team will give them a package they can't say no to and he will sign an extension with whoever that might be. All right, Tommy Panarin, on the other hand, uh, September 13th rolls around. So say say it's September 12th and you're Yarmo Kekalainen, uh, who's the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, for those who don't know. Um, do you Do you call teams like – or, or, or are you already calling teams, seeing what the packages are out there for? And if it's September 12th, September 13th, and, not, and you know, you still haven't decided, I think you got to trade him. You can't afford to have what happened to your club happen to what happened, like, what happened to the New York Islanders happen to your club. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree 100%. I think what they need to do is they need to capitalize on what they can get for Panarin right now. You know, Say what you want about the whole Tavares situation. Get mad at him for not wanting to return. But you have to remember, the Islanders had every single chance known to man to trade him for assets. You know, they did. It was, it's not like the opportunity wasn't there for them. Teams were getting ready to pony up for him. And when it all came down to where Garth Snow said no, you knew that, they, you knew that they, he wasn't coming back. You knew it because if you think about it, 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 the return that they could have gotten for John Tavares would have probably kept uh, Garth Snow his job and presumably put the Islanders in a much better spot than they're currently in right now. Now what Lou is doing with the Islanders is he's giving, he's giving contracts to a lot of gritty guys uh, to try and somehow build for the future. They could have started this process way beforehand in uh, the regular season and allowed a lot of some a lot of younger guys to come in and develop their stuff because I know the Islanders have a couple of players in Bridgeport that could help them out or could be uh, some sort of asset or something like that. But if you're telling me that keeping Tavares was a better option than uh, getting tr- getting uh, deals from someone is absolutely ridiculous. And I think what Columbus is trying to do and the brain trust in Columbus is incredibly smart, you know, with John Davidson pretty much, if he's still there. If I'm, is, is John Davidson still in Columbus? I want to say he is. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty he's, much, still, he's still there, yeah. Yeah, John John Davidson, you know, obviously every Ranger fan who's grown up, you know, been around since the 70s and 80s and, and 90s for his uh, broadcasting career, knows John Davidson is probably one of the smarter minds in, in all of hockey. So him and his crew are definitely looking to try and find the right deal. So I think they're trying to avoid this situation. And actually, it's funny you mention that because if you look at the whole Carlson saga, I think that you know Pierre Dorian is trying to avoid something similar too because I think he realized he got fleeced in the Sackick Colorado Nashville trade. If you are able to get fleeced by Joe Sackick of all people, then there is something fundamentally wrong here. Now everyone remembers everybody remembers beforehand 
uh, Joe Sackick was seen as this dope. Joe Sackick was seen as this guy who did not have a grasp on his team. The minute that trade was made and everybody looked at the return that Colorado got, everyone was bowing down to him. And oh, yeah, Joe Sackick and proved that he could be a GM. Like, he proved that was his move to show that he was not kidding around. Exactly. And Pierre Dorian kind of looked like a buffoon because – what ended up happening was, is yeah, I know Kyle Turris didn't want to be there, but you could have maximized your return a little bit outside of Matthew Shane. Matthew Shane, solid player. I don't think he's worth as much as people think he is. I know there have been some, you know, I've had some discussions with a couple of people saying that uh, Duchesne would be a good fit for this team. Honestly, I beg to differ. But I think what Ottawa is trying to do along with Columbus is they're trying not to get embarrassed. But the problem is, is when you're trading for prospects for a certain entity, you you it's sometimes you may think the return is good and it may not be, and, and the embarrassment level will go through the roof. You know what I mean? So I think that's why everything's kind of held up for now. I think Columbus is handling a lot better than the Ottawa um, GM Pierre Dorian is doing, but. You know, I, I think I think in terms of Panarin, I think they're just trying to really gauge the market and see what they can possibly get. You know, because if you really look at Columbus and John Tortorella and that team, they're still very solid. They just need to be able to fill in the pieces once Panarin leaves, so they don't want to get fleeced. Right. So I mean, keep an eye on the Artemi Panarin situation, everyone. It's I, we really could see something you know, by early September, maybe even mid-August, if uh, they really can't get a deal done, they will shop him because they do not want him to just leave like John Tavares left the New York Islanders. That would be disastrous for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. So we have a few minutes left before we wrap today. Um, There's something that I think needs to be brought up about the team is that uh, I've seen this a lot now, uh, that uh, people are warming up to our draft picks. Uh, especially, and uh, Lori Pajuniemi, who had a very nice game with Finland today during their scrimmage, uh, well, during their game, but people were calling it a glorified scrimmage uh, because uh, it's a lot of the same prospects. Uh, this just goes to show uh, you need to give prospects a chance. Uh, you know, we all have our say about who we wanted them to pick, uh, what we thought about them, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, you need to let people show what they can bring. There's a reason that those guys are scouts and we're not. Um, now, Finland beat the Czech Republic 9-3. Prezuniemi had three points in the game. Um, so, yes, indeed, it was a game. I'm sorry for saying that it was a scrimmage day. I saw someone say that on Twitter, my mistake. But point being, you know, you don't know what these kids can bring. Let them show what they can bring. And this year, just be ready for these hungry young players who want to show what they got. Absolutely. I, I I definitely agree 100%. Uh, I warmed up to Kratsov probably about 20 minutes after the pick because there was already a reel of him um, online. And as soon as the pick was made, I looked it up. And, yeah, we were all a little bummed out about Wallstrom. But, you know, if just from looking, the Rangers definitely looked for the future in that pick. And, you know, when it comes to the other picks that they, they picked up, obviously with Keandre Miller, Nils Lundqvist, Meskinen, and all that, I think that when it comes to getting young players and filling out depth and, and trying to pick and choose who may do well and who may not do well, 
they've been, I, I mentioned this earlier, they're going on a trend, and it's to get skilled, skilled, skilled players. But it seems to me that a lot of these players seem to also have some kind of a defensive aspect to them. You were talking about, we were talking about Anderson and Middlestad earlier. Um, Anderson is a stronger two-way player than Casey Middlestad. I'd love Casey yes. Middlestad's offensive talent. He is going to be phenomenal. But when it comes to a two-way player, I think the two-way player ends up benefiting a team more than a player who has just straight offensive skill. It's not to say Middlestad's not capable of defensive uh, capabilities, but in the long run, you have to complement those offensively skilled players more than you would for a two-way player. You know, middle stat's the kind of guy that you throw with, for example, you throw an Anderson with a middle stat, and that's your that's a perfect combination to do so because Anderson will be a little more defensive and middle stat can do anything with his hands. But for the Rangers in this aspect, they're getting a lot of players from what I've seen who are also skilled, but along with being, you know, defensively minded. And I think that'll go in perfectly with the upbeat defensive style that David Quinn is trying to bring. And, and I think that's what it's, what's been needed for, for this team for a very long time. Hey, look at some of the other guys previously that they've had in the system. You know, one guy that stands out to me is JT Miller. Uh, I've followed JT Miller ever since he got drafted. And one of the things I noticed about him, he was a little defensive, defensively deficient, you know? So, as he developed going through Tortorella and then going through Vigneault was that he kind of rounded out his game in a sense and he hit his potential. But with the players that they're getting now, it seems like their ceiling is a lot higher and you'll probably end up getting more out of them soon enough than we did a JT Miller. And even you can go as so far as saying a Chris Kreider. Kreider And I think Chris Kreider is going to have a fantastic year this year. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I, I want to keep Zibanejad, Buchnevich, and uh, Kreider together. I oh, think yeah. that'll be a solid line for this team next season. Oh, yeah. And uh, last thing before we go, we're going to give our quick hits on who should be the next captain of the New York Rangers. Just shout out a name for me. I think it should be Chris Kreider. JL? Matt Zuccarello. Two good choices. Absolutely. And definitely we will see. Uh, if the Rangers decide to pick a captain when camp opens, it is going to be interesting. And you never know, we could go with three A's while the season goes on and one could be elected during the season. But uh, very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Kreider would make a fantastic captain. I also think Matt Zuccarello would make a good captain as well. So everyone, Absolutely. thank you for joining us this week. John Luke, you're always welcome on the show, buddy. Thanks for being my co-host this week. Nope, no problem. It's fun to be here. I love it. Can't wait for the next one. And uh, one more time, Mr. Ken Campbell, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, It was a pleasure getting to speak to him, one of the brightest minds in the hockey media world today. Uh, We'll catch you guys in probably about two weeks with some more news, some more Ranger talk. And uh, before you know it, training camp is right around the corner. Have a good week, everyone. And as always, let's go Rangers, baby.
everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, but Raider Nation is worldwide. Hi, Silver and Black Maniacs. I'm Scott Goldbranson, host of Silver and Black Today, the first and only all Raiders show from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. A-list guests like players and coaches and the best Raiders talk in the land. Subscribe and listen today if you just want to win, baby. Business with personality. That's the idea that launched London's business newspaper, City AM, 15 years ago. And it's the same idea that inspired our new daily podcast, The City View, where you'll find me, City AM editor Christian May, interviewing the most well-known, influential and colourful figures from business, politics and finance. The City View from City AM with a new episode every morning. It's the perfect start to your working day.